This is Deep Dive. I'm Sui. Over past few months, there's been a significant increase in cases of telecom and online fraud in northern Myanmar, targeting Chinese citizens. This has led to a series of criminal activities, such as illegal immigration and unlawful detentions. Victims were often enticed with lucrative job opportunities abroad, only to find themselves trapped in remote locations where they were coerced into participating online scams. Notably, one of these victims holds a doctoral degree. The situation has sparked massive attention in China and led to joint crackdowns across the border. How can a highly educated individual become ensnared in fraudulent activities? Why has Northern Myanmar become a hotbed for online scams? Is it possible to solve this problem once and for all? In this episode, CGTN radio reporter Dou Hongyu joins me to delve into the cover business in Myanmar. This episode is brought to you on Thursday, September 28th. So Hongyu, we've heard those horrible stories of telecom scam in northern Myanmar, and I understand some of the victims actually have high educational background. So first, tell us the story of this particular victim with a PhD degree that you followed. Well, yes, this is a PhD degree holder, surnamed Zhang. He used to work in a botanical park in China, and he was into financial trouble because his parents were ill, his girlfriend was ill, so they were in urgent need of money. So he decided to change his job. He searched on the internet, and last year he found. A Singaporean company that was hiring customer support representatives online with monthly payment of fifteen thousand yuan. That's about two thousand U.S. dollars a month. That was way better than he expected. But he was not vaccinated at that time, and it was very difficult for him to get visas due to the pandemic. So he was not able to go to Singapore. And the agent then told him that. Their company had a branch in Thailand, and he was told to go to Thailand first to work. At that time, John didn't doubt, especially when he saw a very standard recruitment procedure. So he firstly arrived in Maesot in Thailand, but at that time he was not aware that this river is a border river. And he said, within 20 minutes, he was brought across the river into a telecom fraud compound. That was when he realized that he could no longer extricate himself. His phone was taken away, his ID card was taken away, and he was forced to chat with his targets online to entice them to invest a lot of money. He said he worked 18 hours a day. He was not paid as promised, and he had no freedom. He wanted to leave. So he secretly told his family about this scam. Then he was found out by the organization, and he was punished. He was hit. His family was required about twelve thousand yuan to redeem him.、And、then John's brother called the police. The police reported this case to the Chinese embassy in Myanmar. And this case also got a lot of attention from Chinese social media. So under such pressure. The organization finally agreed to let him go.、Mm. 
a sad story. Apparently,、mm-hmm. generally speaking, apart from this PhD degree holder, how would you describe the demographic characters of the victims? Who are they, and why did they fall into this trap? Well, John's case is quite rare because most of the people, the victims in those telecom fraud compounds, are young people in their twenties and thirties with quite less education, like、um, middle school diploma or high school diploma, and some of them are in urgent need of money, just as John. Maybe some people are not there for money. They were originally on their way to travel. They were on the way to meet their friends. But those scammers are really good at people's psychology at attacking the weaknesses in human nature. But the victims are not able to identify those traps, so that's why those people are prone to falling into this trap.、Hmm. Where regions did the Chinese victims come from?、Uh, like, are most of them from southwest regions? Yes, exactly.、Um, most of the victims are from southern and southwest provinces, like. Sichuan Province, Guizhou, Hunan, Jiangxi Province,、uh, Fujian Province, and Yunnan. Many of those people are from remote areas in southern China, probably deep into the mountains, with、uh, very few years of education. But for them, living in northern Myanmar may not be that difficult because a lot of people in northern Myanmar actually speak Chinese, Chinese dialects. And they use Chinese currency, so it's easy for them to live in Myanmar. They also share very similar living environments and living habits. So many of the victims are actually from southern China.、Hmm. You mentioned the victim with a PhD worked eighteen hours per day. So what were they told to do there? Based on the descriptions of Zhang and many other people who have been saved from those regions. Inside those compounds, there are rows and rows of tables, and there are computers and cell phones on them. And their job is basically to make phone calls and to chat with their targets, in order to appeal them to making investment. And apart from cheating, they also learn how to cheat. For example, Zhang has brought out a digital version of learning materials from that compound. Thirty-seven pages of learning materials. They were told how to pretend to be mature, successful single ladies、mm-hmm. in order to entice middle-aged or senior men into a relationship, and then finally lead them to make investment.、Mm. So what they're doing there is basically learning how to cheat and putting what they've learned into practice.、Mm. So apparently, most of them experienced the violence. What stopped them from escaping? Well, the first barrier is that there's very little connection between these victims and the outside world. Because just like what Zhang has experienced, they have no ID card with them, and their their phones are not with them. So it's very difficult for them to contact with their families, their friends, and with the Chinese embassy. And also, the compounds are surrounded by high walls, and electric fencing, and also guards with weapons. If they want to escape, if they ever try to escape but failed, they would be caught up and be traumatized physically.、Hmm. I'm curious: Are there any of the victims knew what was going on there, but they still went there? I mean, just for money or maybe other stuff? Well, yes, exactly. For example. 
a couple of weeks ago, three men from Guizhou province went to a telecom fraud company in Myanmar. They went there a few times, but every time they were rejected because they couldn't type. That piece of news became viral on the Chinese social media because that was the point when people started to realize that there are people who are willing to bite the hook just for the money. They know exactly what they're going to do, but they still do that. Some people that have escaped or saved say that they were cheated, but actually not,、mm-hmm. because if they say they are cheated, they would face less legal punishment. And, and many people on the internet say that they believe a large proportion of victims were actually not victims.、Mm. They went there voluntarily for money. Okay, so let's turn to the scammers. First of all, where are those organizations or scamming groups based? Is it the、uh, notorious Golden Triangle? Yes, the Golden Triangle is one of Asia's major area of illicit opium production. It's Around the border area of Laos, Myanmar, and Thailand, it also borders with China. But since China has been combating drugs, it's quite difficult to to work for drug dealing in this area. So many of people here turned from drug dealing to telecom scams.、Hmm. Who are these scammers, and what's their background to make them so, I mean, relentless? Well, apart from the victims that finally turn to scammers, there are organizers of those telecom groups. They can be divided into three categories of people. The first are the criminals that escaped from China.、Mm-hmm. They are very familiar with scamming strategies targeting Chinese people, and there are also people involved in pyramid schemes. They also have very rich experience of cheating. There are some other occasions like people of、uh, trying to avoid debt, or some people trying to make some big money, or some people have some special talents that are helpful in cheating and making those frauds. Among those scammers that have been detained, a lot of people are from Fujian province, and there are historical reasons. Telecom fraud started in Taiwan in 1990s. And then in the 2000s, it spread to Fujian province. After China started to combat telecom frauding on the Chinese mainland, these group of people in Fujian province started to move to Southeast Asia to continue their businesses.、Hmm. It's very interesting, particularly about their background. I understand there is also a legal action there. Targeting those、uh, scamming groups, and what kind of legal consequences are they likely to face, and what makes them so confident that they can get away with it? Well, the legal punishment is determined by their individual cases, and that can be really complicated.、Mm-hmm. But basically, many of them have immigrated illegally. That will put them in prison for several years. For the organizers who helped other people to. Immigrate illegally, they may face two to seven years in prison with fines. And for the individuals who move to other countries illegally by themselves, maybe less than one year in prison.、Mm. The punishment is also determined by whether they come there voluntarily or whether they are also victims that are cheated. It's also determined by how much money they obtained from deception, and how many messages they have sent to their targets. 
and whether they have turned themselves into the authorities. And of course, the organizers will face much more serious consequences. Mm. Many of them have already had very bad situations in China. They may have to face other judicial penalties on the Chinese mainland. They are standing between going back to China, finishing up in jail, and probably living a difficult life, and staying in that region with very little legal restriction, maybe making some big money and getting a large piece of the cake, and probably living comfortably in Southeast Asia. So they're actually hoping for some luck in that region. Hmm. It's like heaven for criminals yes. who escaped the punishment of law. Exactly. So uh, Hongyi, could you elaborate more about the uh, special things surrounding the Golden Triangle? I guess there must be something unique that makes this region prone to things like narcotic business and scamming business, uh, scamming crimes. Well, there are several factors. The first has something to do with its geographic location, because that region borders with several countries, and they have their specific drug production and trafficking and scamming routes. And also there are porous borders and difficult terrains that make it very difficult to monitor such illegal activities. And the second big factor is the political instability. For example, in 1947, the representative of Myanmar's biggest ethnic group, Bamar, and some other leaders of other minority ethnic groups met to discuss about their united independence from Britain. And they reached an agreement which granted autonomy to ethnic minority regions. But that has led to decades and decades of conflicts between the armed ethnic groups and the central government of Myanmar. According to some researchers in northeastern Myanmar, there are over 10 armed groups. Each of them are controlling their own region in their own ways. And also there is very weak legal foundation. And this has left space for illegal activities to grow. And also there are economic factors. There is suppression from the central government on northeastern armed groups. And those groups are far from the sea. So it's very difficult for them to get rich by ordinary means of development. For example, in the 14 administrative divisions in Myanmar, the Shan state is the largest area in Myanmar, and it has the third largest population. But its GDP only ranks the seventh. So they have to find a means of survival. They need money for military spending. They need money for economic development. So they need some business models that can benefit them quickly. And drug production and telecom scamming can offer such significant financial gains for those involved. Those are the reasons why northeastern Myanmar can become a culture dish for narcotic businesses and for scamming crimes. Hmm. So let's talk about the legal action taken by the authority. First of all, what's been done by China to deal with the problem? What China's authority is doing is to, to crack down on those illegal compounds in northern Myanmar. We've seen a lot of determination, but China cannot do it by itself mm. because this is a transnational operation and activity. Right. So we've seen China, Thailand, Myanmar, and Laos initiated a very special joint operation to crack down on gambling and fraud in those regions. And the four countries have set up a coordination center in Thailand for police cooperation. And in recent months, 
We've seen such news more frequently that Chinese policemen and local law enforcement forces dust crime dens together and detain hundreds of thousands of suspects together each time. And also, China is trying to prevent its own citizens from falling into such traps. For example, when you pass through customs or uh, arrive at airports near the border, you will be asked about what are you going to do. Mm. Are you aware of the telecom frauds in Southeast Asia? Many of them actually are not aware of what they're going to face. They think they're, that they're on the way to cheap travel or they're on the way to make some big money or they're going to meet friends who are going to introduce them highly paid jobs. But the policemen know very well what is going to happen. Hmm. So they will persuade them to stop doing that and going home. And China is strengthening its efforts to educate the public, to raise the public awareness about telecom frauds. We have seen public service advertisements on TV, social media and posters in residential buildings, in office buildings, in universities, and even on elevators, telling people the means of frauds and telling people that there's no such a thing as a free lunch. Hmm. So what did the Myanmar authorities do since all of this is taking place in its territory? Well, what the Myanmar authorities is doing is mainly being part of the collaboration with China and other countries in the joint operation. Hmm. So let's talk about this big picture. Do you think there is something the authorities can do to root out, I mean, the root causes this problem once and for all? Well, I think for Chinese authorities, they can do just as how they did when combating drug dealing mm. in that area. Keep expressing their urges to stop scams and keep detaining suspects through international collaboration and keep educating people about telecom frauds. But in terms of rooting out this problem, I'm not that confident. I think that will be very, very difficult for mm. China mm. to root out this problem. So what would you say are the major challenges? Well, the first challenge is that telecom frauds are very different from drug dealing because it is not physical. Mm. It has no limit of time and space. It's very difficult to track. It's very difficult to control. And the hardest bone is that the social environment in northeastern Myanmar is not changed. To root out this problem requires political stability and economic development in that region, but considering the history and the tensions between armed forces and the central government of Myanmar, it's very difficult to achieve the stability in the short period. And even if we have combated telecom frauds in that area, whether they will switch to other illegal activities, just like how they switched from drug dealing to telecom frauds, we don't know. Mm. Thank you very much, Hong Yu. Thank you. Early this month, police from China's Yunnan province and their Myanmar counterparts successfully dismantled 11 scamming dens and arrested 269 suspects. On September 16th, another 109 suspects were handed over to Chinese police. Since the beginning of the joint operation, around 1,400 people have been arrested in connection with cybercrime activities in northern Myanmar. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. 
You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Sui, and my colleagues Fei Fei, Li Yunqi, Zhang Zhang, and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Dou Hongyu. I will see you in the next one.